So I think the first thing to say is just to, to respond to something that Denis Villeneuve said in that interview, that gorgeous interview, which I could honestly just go back and listen to again, if only for the sound of his voice, is that thing about, you know, decided to cheat. It's not cheating. Um, it's I know he was saying that, you know, ironically, but the fact of the matter is it's been demonstrated amply that you can't do Dune in a movie. You have, I mean, on the one hand, you have the Hodorowsky approach, which is that you prepare to make a movie that's going to last somewhere between 10 and 14 hours. Mm. And, you know, despite Orson Welles and Mick Jagger and Salvador Dali, the movie doesn't get made. And one of the reasons it doesn't get made is because it's, it's just not going to be possible to do that. On the other hand, there's the problem that David Lynch found himself in, which was that even with, you know, a wrangled script that attempted to, you know, to rein a lot of that book in, they ended up at the end having to cut back the movie to the point that it was incoherent. So either too short to make sense or too long to get made. And consequently, you're left with a position which is, yes, the sensible thing to do is to is to bisect it. The really interesting thing, and I, I'm, I'm saying this because we'll, we'll get to sort of reviewing the, the movie itself, but the really interesting thing about that is that question about is part two guaranteed? And there is a genuine bravery going into this on with when that isn't guaranteed, because obviously in order for part two to happen, part one has to be well received. And there is a tantalizing possibility that say Dune isn't as well received as it should be. You end up with Dune part one, dot, dot, dot. Le fin. Le fin. And of course there is that, you know, documentary, uh, Hodorowsky's Dune, which imagines the, the film that Hodorowsky was going to make. And it's a fantastic documentary and it is arguably a better documentary than, than Hodorowsky's film could ever have been had he managed to realise it. And I do think there is, I thought the, the, the calmness with which he talked about that, the calmness with which he said, you know, no, it's not definite and I, you know, I'm, I'm waiting for the, for the audience to kind of complete the picture by asking for the second part. I thought that was really well done. And also the last thing I'll say in this, I'm sort of, you know, delaying reviewing the film itself. Is this the like the pre-title sequence? Yeah, is in America the film is available on HBO and in cinemas. I think actually it was HBO just before the cinemas. Here it is in cinemas. You asked Denis Villeneuve about uh, this is a cinematic experience. This is a film to be seen in cinemas. It is not a film to be seen at home. I understand, obviously, that because of everything that's going on, there may be reasons for you know home, home streaming in America. But this is a film that is absolutely designed to be seen in an auditorium with a cinema sound system almost being more important than the image itself. Yes. And it is a it is a theatrical movie. However, people end up seeing it. It is made for cinema. Even more so, I think. I mean, Bond is huge, but this is hugerer. Yeah, and it and it's also it has to be that immersive thing because if, for example, when you're on Iraq, it's if you're not surrounded by the planet, it's not going it's not going to have the impact that it was designed for. I mean, here's the verdict: it's very good. And um, it's kind of a relief that it is very good because we've all waited for a very long time. Um, also because we've seen other filmmakers thwarted by attempting to get Dune on screen. And I think it's very good for a number of reasons. The first one is I think it has a pretty clear arc. This part one does the, you know, Paul Atreides goes to Arrakis, discovers what may or may not be his dawning destiny. And that story it has a clear through line, um, which, which, you know, which makes sense for 
you don't have to have read the book. You don't have to have any kind of prior knowledge. You can follow it. I think it does the colonial metaphor stuff very clearly without getting bogged down in it. The most important thing, however, is that the, the way the film looks, and sometimes when people say the way the film looks is the most important thing means it's all surface and no substance. And I don't mean that at all. But what I mean is if you are going to tell this story, it has to be told with a sense of awe. There have to be things in it that make you feel like you are going to, to strange new worlds, to seek out, you know, strange new, bold new civilizations and boldly go. And it's not... I now We now live in a world in which it's quite easy to just kind of imagine that anything can be put on screen because, you know, digital effects have become so astonishing. You just imagine, well, we can see anything. Everything has to be designed. Everything has to be created. Everything has to be photographed, whether it be virtually or, you know, or, or, or really. So what you were talking about, about the locations, about the thing about the, actually being in these places, actually looking out at those things, and then combine that with, for example, the, the sandworms and the sandworms who are created by, you know, teams of designers. And we've all seen versions of sandworms done, you know, on screen before. I have to say, the first appearance of the sandworm, I did go, wow. Yeah, it's amazing. Wow. You know, that is really, I got a sense of scale. I remember talking before when we were reviewing uh, Pacific Rim and talking about one of the problems of CD, of 3D, pardon me, is that it tends to miniaturize things. Well, there's none of that in Dune. I mean, there, it, it, that sense of scale is genuinely breathtaking. And I know that, therefore, you know, one the, of the... Com the word worm is slightly misleading, really. Yeah, I know, yes, exactly. But they are, they, are, they are called sandworms, and, you know, they are huge creations. And in the past, when people have tried to sort of render that, I mean, the, you know, the, the Lynch version has a very bold attempt using, you know, physical effects, but it's, it, it, there are large sections of that that just end up being silly. Um, so I think the design is great, I think the design really works, and I think congratulations to everybody who worked on bringing that world to life, both physically and digitally, because I felt, whilst I was watching the film, I'm in these locations, I'm in this film, I'm going from this place to this place. So clear through line, genuine sense of location and place, and, you know, breathtaking sights, the kind of sights of which you know, uh, the, uh, when uh, when Roy Batty says, you know, I've seen things you people wouldn't believe, you kind of think he'd go, like this, you know. There is, there's a majesty to some of the spacecraft. There is that brilliant thing about, you know, the dragonfly ships on the one hand, and then these vast arcs on the other hand. There was a moment in it that I got a sense. Do you remember seeing Close Encounters of the, of the Third Kind for the first time? Mm -hmm. And when you first see the mothership, and <laughs> pardon me, and you do go, or you did go, wow. And then the mothership turns over. Remember that? The whole thing turns over. And it was, we were all astonished by it. Well, because nowadays special effects have moved on and it can be kind of harder to astonish people. But there were things in Dune that really made me feel astonished. In terms of the score, it's interesting that, you know, you were talking about the sound design as you got onto the score. And again, it's one of those films in which the sound design and the score are very much of a piece. There is a central theme in Dune that, you know, that you've got the sand and you've got the, the kind of the magical spice, you know, the spice melange, which is kind of floating the surface. And then there's this rumbling going on underneath. 
There's a whole thing about having to walk in a certain way so as not to create tremors that will attract the attention of the worms, which is very much like the kind of don't attract the shark in Jaws. But the film itself is built on a similar structure, that you have the, the dune of the film and then you have this magic dust, this spice melange of the film, which is which is the stuff above ground, which is glittery and kind of intoxicating. And you feel that, you know, if you if you have too much of it, you'll start to become addicted to it and it will turn your eyes blue. And then underneath there's this stuff going on, which is like the kind of tremors. I mean, both tremors, the movie, and, you know, and whilst we're on the subject of great big underground beasties that look like worms, the sound gives the film a base from which to build its world. And the score, which is full of portent, I mean, it's absolutely full of portent and full of, you know, ceremony. And it also has these, you know, these other things, the, the, the way in which he uses voices is very interesting. Lots of percussion, lots of kind of, you know, setting the scene through the music. And I thought it was very interesting that what Denis Villeneuve said was, I didn't want to use a voiceover. So therefore I got Hans Zimmer to do the voiceover. That the, the, the music is telling you what's going on, you know, in, inside the characters' heads. I also thought, you know, in the with the Stalin Skarsgård character, there's a sort of seriousness there because the Baron, if he's close to anything, he's closer to Colonel Kurtz in Apocalypse Now than he is in any other sort of, you know, version of the Baron. And it, there is always the possibility with Dune that it's going to be boring. And I say that because with any mighty epic, there is the possibility that it's going to get bogged down. And... I think I can pretty safely say that I never got bored watching you. And it's, what is it, two hours, 35 minutes mm -hmm. long? And the, the, those two hours and 35 minutes went for me. There, there weren't moments when I started getting restless, when I started thinking, you know, oh, this is, you know, this is, this is overstaying its work, even though I knew that it was, it, it was only part one. And I think it's really important to remember how much of an achievement that is. Because one of the things about the Lynch Dune is it's so full of madcap sights, of things in it that are just completely weird and lynchy, that it, it, it's, it's always got something to distract you. The thing with the Villeneuve version is it never felt like it was distracting you. What it felt like it was doing was that it was telling the story. And I never felt like, OK, this is, this is a mess, but hey, you know, there's Sting with wings. Or, you know, hey, there's the Baron flying around in the air. Or, you know, hey, there's there's a really absurd bit with the worm. It all felt of a piece. If I have any reservation at all, it is this. There are huge narrative hills ahead. Well, you can't judge it on what it... No, no, no. So I'm not... So what I'm saying is, you know, okay, well done. We've got this far. Now, bring it home. Yes. I'm sure he would love it. <laughs> and... But he's in the Chris Nolan uh, sort of category, isn't he? Of, as someone who can deliver a very complex uh, yeah. story and do it in such a spectacular way that everybody wants to go and see. May, may I quote myself? Well, you did last week, I think, so carry on. Okay. When Inception came out, I said, look, what Inception proves is that blockbuster movies don't have to be stupid, mm -hmm. that dumbing down doesn't make any difference. If a movie like Inception can become a huge hit, then why not aim high? Because the idea that you have to dumb down for the audience is patently not true. Well, Dune is in the same ballpark as that. The only thing I would say is it, it almost feels more organic 
than, I mean, Inception felt like a really complicated puzzle. And incidentally, I think the same is true of Tenet. But Inception felt like watching an incredibly complica complicated puzzle doing that. Dune didn't feel like that. Dune felt like this is a this is a kind of complex story, but I'm I'm taking a straight path through it, and I'm not in any way, I'm not being dazzled by the mm. by the complexities of it. But I absolutely agree that it is like Christopher Nolan. That is, is a filmmaker who goes, okay, I'm working with a massive multi-million dollar project. That doesn't mean I have to make it stupid so that the so that you know it can be understood by the audience because the audience are smarter than everyone's always thought.